I um get this. I just killed a fly with um Cole's crawling insect killer. What? That's false advertising. Well, no, it's fo- false use. Okay. Because this is meant for creepy crawlies. Um, and flies aren't insects. creepy or crawly. Well, it's meant to work on cockroaches, spiders, ants, carpet beetles, what? fleas, cloth moths, silverfish, <laughs> and bed bugs. And I used it on a fly, and let me tell you. It'd be amazing if, if like, halfway through, it's like, orca? Like, wow, they're, really, <laughs> they're covering all their bases. Well, the silverfish looks like a beetle, so I'm assuming that yeah, is, is the name a, of a, some like sort a of little, beetle. Oh, you know it. Everyone knows the silverfish. Well, sounds delicious. I used it on a fly, and it uh, it's quite cruel. I don't know. Have you ever have you ever like sprayed a fly with killer or um, any insect with insect killer, and then just watch it kind of absorb the spray, and then just kind of spaz out? Yeah, and then I, just actually, go, I like, prefer to lose get its the, mind. I prefer to get the weaker fly sprays just so it prolongs their pain because i feel like if you've really sort of invaded my space you've caused me an irritate you've been buzzing around the room i deserve to get you back an equivalent amount of time that i was annoyed by you flitting around the head or like bumping into the window and struggling like i'm holding the window open and you keep fucking hitting the glass i think there should be a reciprocal amount of pain inflicted so i go for the weaker and just watch them squirm I would not equate death with the pain that you feel, the annoyance that you feel of having a bzzz in the room that you're in. I see it both ways. I don't see it both ways, and I'm a better person than you. Uh, I think that's clear. Wow. Um, but it's like quite an interesting, like not to make everything, you know, philosophical or existential. That's not what this like podcast it, is for. Exactly. But you are just spraying a a living creature and <laughs> like then just watching it. But this is interesting. Like, yeah, it you are spraying a living creature, but it's what what is fascinating to me is that its instinct is still to survive. If you swat a spider or bang its web, it retreats. And so like its in, its instinct is to survive. And if its instinct if it has a survival instinct, does that not represent some sort of consciousness or should that not just give us some pause for thought? Because if something is wanting to like not die, actively not die, shouldn't we be thinking about that a little bit deeper than just like, you're dead. I'm less annoyed. This is interesting that this came about because you've already murdered the fly. Like this, you're having this conversation now after the moment in which you'd, you went and reached for it, did the deed, and now you're... This is like the, the second act of the movie where you're racked with guilt and questioning everything you've done, your life choices that led to this point. Like, the, well, yeah, the answer I want, to me I want is, my cake and I eat it too. Like, exactly. I'm always going to kill a fly. Yeah. But I am also... I'm, I'm, I think of it this way. I'm like the hunter that says a prayer before he kills the deer with a bow and arrow. <laughs> that's okay, yeah, now, now I'm on board. I'm, rec- I'm, I'm recognising... That yeah. this thing died for a cause, and that cause well, well, is that okay. I'm less annoyed. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, the cause is very minor. It's not going to feed your family. 
Um, well, you don't know what I did after. <laughs> um, Put a little teriyaki sauce on that. Oh, bad and boy. It, it's super crunchy. Fried it up. You can really Ooh. taste the the poison. Um, we'll be eating flies in twenty years. Well, sooner. Um, uh, I had a point here. No, I don't think you did. No, I did. I was about frankly. to. I was about to make a point. Oh, it's just Darwinism. Let me let me try that again so I say the word correctly. It's Darwinism. It's a a spider that went into the house and recoils at the shutter or whatever and goes away, gets away. That that's a favorable trait, right? That's that's avoidance of predators. That spider if it goes on to survive is going to pass on that awareness or that gene or that you know trait into its children um and that spider which doesn't run away or which gets too close to you and causes irritation or fear and gets squashed is going to die so it is ultimately just natural selection and you're just breeding very very slowly a fly that won't come and annoy you indoors right so i think it's a net good so you're saying that there's the the survival instinct doesn't necessarily equate to any sort of sentience that I should really care about. Well, I mean, I obviously things that are alive, like creatures, have animalistic needs, don't they? They need to eat. They need to reproduce. They need to um, hunt prey or flee, flee from predators. Um, so. Uh, obviously there's a consciousness of some form there it's it's not a brain or or a a consciousness at the level of humans or dolphins or pigs or even dogs but it is you know a consciousness yeah it's not going to recognize itself in a mirror yeah i don't know i just think it's like i think maybe in the future we'll be thinking about even killing insects different like in a different way like we'll be more I feel like the way that human civilization is going and ethics is going, we will consider my guess is that we'll consider killing insects, you know, as more serious than we currently do. Well, isn't that interesting though, that if the survival of humanity long term involves us evolving the kind of foods that we eat to be less environmentally um, impactful when we end up eating more insects you'd have to mm. assume that alongside that comes a, a, much in the same way that there's this um, awareness now of the cruelties and how they farm chickens and the pigs and that sort of stuff there'll suddenly be this yeah. cruelty around insects as well like are they having the best life they can have before they get deep fried or ground up or whatever the way that we serve our insect meal um, but you have to assume it is with easier that, with an insect, because like an insect's lifespan is like a day. So like they're going to be like, if as long as they've had like a really good day, they've you know <laughs> gone out for a walk in the park. They've yeah, they saw the, the fellow wasp, yeah. you know, um, you know, as long as it's gone on the Ferris wheel or something, <laughs> gone, yeah. gone scuba diving. Did, done all the know. classic wasp activities. Imagine if wasps bucket list was like pretty similar to humans yeah they just want to go zorbing <laughs> what the fuck's that zorbing you know when you're Is in a giant just... infl- inflatable ball that goes rolling down a hill and you're like on the inside oh 
I was thinking of Vortex. You're thinking of Vortex. Also good. Yeah. Um, also good. Before I forget, uh, Casey said to tell you, quote, Oh, God. Tell Michael I said nothing. And That's quote. funny. Yeah. I like it. That's yeah. good. We're, get, we're getting somewhere. There's, we're there's making progress. progress. Yeah. Because <laughs> it, it was previously actually nothing and then it's it's it's, it's gone up to yeah. saying nothing yeah i mean you're still never met in person um so no. we'll, we'll see what that's like that's going to be a different vibe i think no well tell him i said oh that was going to be such a good lead-in to welcome to deep fort oh i didn't i, I thought you were gonna i thought you were just leaving a break because it was implicit that uh, you said nothing i thought we were i thought we were in sync welcome to deep band oh fuck <laughs> well, okay count me in well tell casey i said welcome to no. welcome to deep fort everybody hi greetings and hello we always start this podcast with three uh, affirmations, so um, I'd like to begin that now. Um, you are beautiful, you are intelligent, and you are wanted. Michael, what Me? do you have to say? Um, oh, the, your three affirmations, please. I am beautiful, I am wanted, mm-hmm. and what was the third one? Yeah, that's ironic. So this is a podcast sitting through the internet with me today. Michael, hey, how you doing? All right. Yeah, and I'm Nick. Hi, hi, hi. It's a um. I, I've got a. I've got a strong feeling. I've got a bit of a loopy brain going on tonight. We'll see where this goes. Midweek love record. A little bit tired. Here. Nine o'clock on a Wednesday. Everyone knows perfect time to jump on Skype. Can I say, and reluctantly so, mm-hmm. that from the brief glimpse of your arm I just got, and I know you just came back from the gym, but you're looking a little swole, my man. Well, that's ironic because it was leg day, but thank you. Yeah, I, oh. yeah, I, I'd show tri- you my glutes. Trickles up. Well, maybe you're, you know, gen- just generally you're looking, you're looking swole. I, I'm not sure if I like. I, I think I prefer lanky Nick. To okay. be quite honest, well, like it just fits more well with my idea of your you. superiority complex. Like in in my dreams, I will still drink you. <laughs> let me let me take that again. <laughs> When I dream of you, yeah. it will still be lanky Nick. Yeah. Naked or not? From the from, from, from the, the chest up. up. <laughs> from the top up. You'll still think of me shirtless from the from the chest up, um, but in a lanky form. Yes, but also just the chest up. Just the wearing chest like up. a a corset or something. Wait, no, clothed on the chest up. Do you no, mean naked? No clothes on the corset from like the... Oh, literally the chest, not the waist. Yeah, yeah. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. I'm with you. Yeah, well, like you strapped in like a boot. Well, that's just what I wear to region. water the Christmas a couple of years, years ago. So that's why that image is stuck in your head. Yeah, that was a horrific Mrs. Claus that you were... <laughs> did. My, my grandma especially hated that. Santa um, baby. <laughs> oh, don't. PTSD. Yeah, the PTSD comes back. PTSD. Mm. Just on that, just if we're doing uh, tangential thoughts, which I believe we are, um, on the dream thing, I realized the other day that I only ever dream about my my Wayville house. I might have oh. said this to you before. No, you haven't. But I, like I've, your childhood I've, home. Well, 
that's the thing. It wasn't necessarily my childhood home, but it was where I like spent my teenage years. But I've only ever, when I've dreamt, and I dream quite often about, you know, home or my family, or whatever. It's only ever that particular house. It's never any other house. That's weird. interesting because I don't think my dreams are in locations. They're always in like a nebulous void, but they're with right. recognizable people or things right. or moments. But I'm not like picturing walking down the um, hallway, you know, turning the kitchen yeah. door handle, you know, that I don't have that sense of geography, but I'm wow. also not a visual, like I'm not very good at imagining visual concepts i'm much my brain is like a words brain and a lists brain and like a dot points brain and i can i can i'll enjoy thinking about concepts and i can remember moments and places like that but Uh i just i struggle to visualize things just yeah just in just in the brain juice so that's probably why i can't think of like a full house that is really interesting because that's like the exact opposite of me but I also thought, well, isn't, like, isn't it, go on. Sorry to cut you off. Isn't that one of, I can't remember if we've talked about this previously, but there, there is some people I think uh, don't realize the variance in the ways that people's brains can imagine. And some people okay. go through life and you ask them to think of an apple and they might have the barest, fuzziest red blob of an right. idea, whereas others will be able to close their eyes and picture the glistening, like, fresh dew on the surface oh. of, like, a pocket-marked, you know, red and yellow thing with a tiny little stem and a sprig of leaf and that, you know, cut perfect sphere that tucks underneath and, like and be able to bring to mind that image. Like when I describe that image, I don't know if that, that came to your mind. Like if you could envisage that because some people are completely unable to, that there's actually a huge scope in, in the degree in which people can, can conceive of that kind of stuff unprompted or otherwise. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's interesting because we can't really compare, like we can verbally say, I, 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 imagine this or i hear this or i feel this but all we're using is words to convey our experience of the external world and that may not necessarily line up it's like we've talked about you know if i see the color blue are you seeing the color blue i know we're both labeling this collection of atoms as blue but does that necessarily mean we are perceiving it in the same way it's like a, it's an interesting thing about being human. Yeah, I'm or trying about to find... being like a living being. Okay, so this is this is weirdly a bit of like a science news, an early science news. But I'll just rapidly go through this concept. Um, so, if you were asked to imagine an apple, how much of the fruit would you actually be able to see? That's that's the core question we're getting at here, right? I sort of jumped to it a bit earlier, which like some people get a blob and some people get a a very distress descriptive or or, or detailed image some people literally see nothing this like see nothing some people you could 
ask them and they can tell you what an apple is meant to look like. They could list dimensions, they could list where the light hits, the stalk length, the color markings, but there's no way to see what is being described in their mind. Some people go through right. life not actually being able to visibly bring that image into their consciousness. Whereas like, I, I, I don't know about you, but when I think Apple and when we talk about apples and I, I think for most of our listeners, statistically, when you imagine an apple and you close your eyes or even if you keep it open, you are thinking of the picture of an apple, right? Yes. Um, yeah, I guess I'm thinking of like, my instinct is to go to like, when you say apple, I think Snow White and then I think like my apple is like cartoonish. Yeah, so here's here's a little chart here actually. I might grab this grab this tweet here and put it in the chapter title. Or maybe I'll put it I'll put it as an image on this chapter. Um mm -hmm. so if you just open your phone, listeners, and um uh have a look at the image on the screen. This is the kind of variance that you can get from someone getting a shape to a bit of detail to a grayscale all the way to like a full, um, full color image. What would you say that you could see? Uh, cats. <laughs> Am I meant to be seeing cats? You should be seeing cats and also your parents fucking. I'm always seeing that. So, but does this, does this, is this an indicator of some sort of mental, like, I don't, I don't want to say disorder. like. Or no, just well, like, I think it's or... just a, a variance, like a genetic variance. So people can conceptualize, like the people in team five can conceptualize things in their head, but can't see a proper image when they close their eyes. This is called aphantasia, which is right. a, basically a lack of a functioning mind's eye. So you can't visualize things mentally. What a beautiful word. Aphantasia. Yeah. It's a bit like yeah. meiosis, right? Hmm. Um, the, I think I'm definitely sort of in the one, like I said, when I was describing those, those the, in quite a bit of detail earlier, I was visualizing that at the same time. Um, the yeah. other thing that's uh, come up in this article as well is some people have an internal narrative and some people don't, as in some people's thoughts are sentences they quote unquote hear, yeah. and some people just have abstract non-verbal thoughts and have to consciously verbalize them. And yeah. most people probably don't realize that the other one's an option. So I'm definitely right. a person who has abstract thoughts and then just sort of says things. But I think some people hear a sentence in their head already as a thought. Well, that's, this is very interesting. Um, and could be a good lead into maybe talking about, um, psychologist stuff as well um but yes i think my inner dialogue is i mean i talk to myself quite openly and aloud but i'm i'm usually having conversations i'm either having conversations with people in my head or i'm trying or i'm saying things out loud uh that are in my head. Like, I feel like it's, it's important for me to. So are you hearing sentences? Saying. You're like, it's coming through to you as like a sentence in your head. It depends what I'm doing. Sometimes maybe other people do this, but sometimes I need to, it's like a form of, I guess it's like a form of self therapy 
But if I'm going through like a conflict, say personally with a relationship that I have with someone that I know, I find it helpful to rehearse what I'm going to say. So that's one separate thing. But then it often devolves into actually having a conversation and hearing what the other person would say and then replying. And then it's kind of takes on a life of its own. Does that make sense? So once you're involved in a conversation, it's sort of reactive. You're not really having to listen to your brain think and then repeat it. Yeah. Well, I try and imagine what the other person would, would say like in a sorry this is this is still in advance of a conversation or is this live no this is not an actual conversation this is a made made up imaginative conversation yeah so what my question was in a real conversation do you get lost in the conversation like you're just reacting you're not really hearing things and saying them aloud you're just instinctively following the conversation and then chipping in without your without you consciously realizing what you're thinking uh, are you asking me if i've if i've thought about this com- a, a particular conversation prior and then i'm going no, in i'm with, talking like, about right now we're having a conversation are you no. just in the zone are your brain's kind of just doing its own thing and chipping in a response or i mean now that now that we're talking about it you're thinking about it so it's kind of skewed the, the sample no but- no no no, I, I am definitely doing the first. Like I'm yeah. reacting in the moment. And yeah. when I'm having these fake or imagined conversations, they are purely like therapeutic. Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, I think that's common. I think I do that sometimes as well. I'm sure a lot of people do as well. Where you have the... the It can be... Um, what's the opposite of retrospective? Well, maybe it is retrospective. It can be after an event where you wish the chat had gone differently and you visual, you say the things you wish you'd said, or you, you, you've given yourself now the time to respond properly and, and yeah. you sort of relive that moment better. Um, but yeah. you're saying that you also prepare for conversations by like iterating out the ways it could go. I think primarily it's the former, um, as everyone does, I guess, but also I, I imagine this is really embarrassing, but I imagine having, I think everyone maybe does this to a certain degree as well, but I imagine having like some saying something that makes everyone laugh. Yeah. And like, I really, this is really embarrassing. This is, Oh, you want me to stop you from saying it? Can you stop me from saying it? (laughs) Hey, it's it's actually, no, don't. Some things are private. (laughs) Here, let me pause the recording. Click. (laughs) Okay. This is a safe space now, Michael. I will, like, usually in the shower, like, try and imagine, like, saying something, like, to you or to, like, one of my friends that is, like, cracks everyone up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I really do. I think that, that to me, on some level, is... Oh, right. That was a... No, because I could tell it wasn't real. Okay. When, when I... I mean, I love to earn a Nick laugh. Don't get me oh, wrong. Okay. I love... You're one of the guys. There's like a couple of couple of peeps in my life that I really love to make laugh. And you're definitely one of them. Oh, that's very sweet. 
Do you think it that is. I'm a hard person to laugh? I feel like I'm quite an easy laugh. Uh, or is it just like really a friendship laugh, closeness? No, no, no. It's like, because I, I think, I mean, I would never say this to your face, but I think on some level I respect you oh. a lot. And it's lucky edit I'm not this recording. Out. <laughs> and I think like earning... You know, some people in your life, when you earn a laugh from them, it means more than others. And, like, I'm not talking about, like, you know, like, just like a ha-ha-ha, like, whatever bullshit you just did. I'm talking about, you know, you've got a really quite ugly, abrasive laugh. (laughs) When I get that really, like, sharp, like, ugh, gross, like, that to me is, like, mwah. Like, I've... That's when you know know you've made it. got the involuntary thing. Yeah. It's interesting you say that because... I've been doing lots of writing with good grief, um, with uh, for good grief with Grace and Eve, and just spending hours and hours all day, five days a week on Skype, which is mm. hardly a difficult job in the grand scheme of things. But it's also one where you're trying to be funny over Skype, yeah. <laughs> and if it's like the seventh hour in on a Thursday, and you're trying to be funny, sometimes it's an uphill battle. And then when you do get those moments where something just clicks and it all falls together and you're pissing yourself laughing, it feels like there is that rush of endorphins, right? Like laughing in, yeah. and it is a shared experience and it's really satisfying. So I totally, I totally get what you're saying. When you can make someone laugh in that kind of situation, it's, it's a rush. Well, it must it's be gratifying. so hard as well to do it over Skype because so much of comedy lives Timing. in the room. Oh. Come on. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Timing. Um, So so much of the comedy going there. So much of the comedy lives in the shared like the physical space. Like you took the you hear comedians talk about uh you know the room. And the room is often a a a a room with a with a small ceiling and it's kind of intimate that's where that's where like the laughter laughter is contagious yeah and so it can bounce off the walls and if you're in a stadium if you're kevin hart and just like saying shit out pushing it into the wind like it's a whole different thing Mm. but but comedy is like and i'm not saying that you know what you're doing with your friends is i mean you are literally writing a comedy (laughs) yeah what like me just trying to make my friends laugh is not comedy per se, but it is laughter that lives inside a physical space. And so having, being able to, I mean, you must lose some of it, not being in the room with your writing partners. Like a lot of it is being lost. Trying to connect over Skype and have that momentum and energy is difficult to maintain through technology. Yeah, for sure. I think we're slightly better placed in some ways because we've never never written scripts the three of us in the same room never right we've always had at least one of us separate so we've kind of worked out the rhythms of how it suits us but you're right right there is definitely something more visceral about being in the same room what i'm curious about because we sort of we're veering towards it is in that kind of conversational setting when you're just with the friends and yeah. you're having a conversation, do you have a conscious thought? I'm going to say something funny or I'm going to try and make Jack laugh or whatever. Or do you find that it's just instinctual that you'll just see a line or, or see an opportunity and go for it without any realization of 
Like, I, what a goal this is. It's like, it's just sort of comes to you and you do it. Yeah, if you, if you, sometimes it's, I mean, it's both. Sometimes you think of something and it's just like, I have to say this. And then you're just like waiting for that <laughs> right gap in the yeah. conversation just to get it in. And it's like always hard yeah. to like actually time that. But I think for the most part, it's just like, I mean, this is, it's like semi a problem that I will just like say whatever comes into my, my mouth. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so whatever uh, comes into my head. Yeah. Yeah. And then, then it goes the head passes mouth. it to the mouth. Yes. I am Knee aware it's connected to the thigh bone. Yes. Yeah. Are you the same? Are you, do you, do you don't have a problem with just going blah? No, I'm, I'm pretty, you're a thoughtful guy. I'm controlled in that way that like, I'll definitely, I'm also aware of some situations where you have to modulate your behavior. So like if I was meeting new people or in a job situation, I can consciously think let's behave this way or, you know, let's, let's, yes, uh, this isn't the time for that joke, even though it's funny. Yes. I think for me, for a long time, as you well know, that like getting, saying the wrong thing, even if it was just, you know, it wasn't even clever or whatever, just saying the wrong thing that would get a reaction out of people I valued so much, or I, I got a, I got a kick out of just seeing, even if we were meeting, even if we had just met, you know, people that we didn't know, saying something offensive or um shocking yeah and just seeing them react would give me a big thrill now it doesn't so much like i mean i do in a sense i still do appreciate a bit of that but now i think it's only when it's like really (laughs) clever and not just for the sake of upsetting someone yeah or getting a reaction out of someone like if it's targeted and thought out to some degree I'll pay it yeah. and I love it. But if it's not like, you know, what I was, what that's I a, would that's a bit of a maturity thing as well. Right. Like that's, that's yeah. you thinking about a, the kind of person you're interacting with B the opportunity they've teed up and C like the subject matter you can go for. And I feel like you've evolved to a place where you're more willing to just step into what, in a conversation or in casual acquaintance territory can be considered risky topics or areas like that. Like you, you'll, you'll, you'll just, you're not phased by the idea that this is a sensitive area and you'll go into it more than you'll say something deliberately like provocative or offensive just for shock value. It's more like, I think now you're just willing to, to push people out of their comfort zone in a in a pointed way or a deliberate way, right? Yeah, I think that would be I think that's accurate. I mean, it's I still very much enjoy that type the type of comedy that is taboo and is um is said from the back of the classroom in a sense, like the stuff that you're not meant to say. I mean, and especially now with with everything being so hypersensitive it's like kind of that kind of comedy is even more like i don't want to say it's not precious but it's like more it feels everything feels more taboo now and i do very much enjoy that type of comedy but 
if it's just said for shock value um, and with no real substance behind it, I don't find that funny. You know, yeah, it's just it, it's just it's objectively not not that funny. Yeah, but there is a place for it. Yeah, if done correctly, which I just never found out how to do. <laughs> well, that might um, tear us up to something that you touched on a moment earlier, which uh, was the psychologist. Yeah, start seeing a shrink. Yeah. Which is the best part about seeing a psychologist. You get to say shrink. Yeah, how do they respond oh, to my, that? My shrink. Not good. I I honestly don't know what to call him. Like, uh, when I talk about him, when I talk to him about telling other people that I'm seeing a professional, I still don't know what to call him because I think therapist is Americanized. Really? And Counselor? psychologist seems... Counselor seems like, uh, seems you like know, a bit wishy washy. A priest. Is he a psychologist? About to fuck me. Yeah, he's a psychologist. Then why don't you just say I'm seeing a psych, seeing a psychologist? I don't know. Didn't feel. I want that, like that, a cool Does that way feel to like the it. other side of the spectrum where that's like making it sound like a little bit more um, serious or medicinal? Well, well, potentially. I mean, my. I'm not sure if I should be repeating this, but um, my, so I had a conversation with my dad. So a bit of going, stepping back a bit. So I've, I've had a, 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 a complicated last couple of weeks um, to the point where, you know, I didn't even thought about didn't, that I didn't want to um, even do this podcast this week, um, I won't go into it now. I haven't even told you, but we've kind of alluded to it over text, but um, maybe down the track. But I had an interesting conversation with my dad a couple of weeks ago when I, you know, been going going through something, and and I told my dad that I had started to see a psychologist, just uh, you know, in in um, in passing, really. And his reaction was, oh, shit. And I had to be like, no, no, no. No, it's good. Like, I'm yeah. I'm getting out so was that ahead of the problem. Right. I'm getting out ahead of the problem. I'm like trying to sort it. But his, his, his reaction to it was, oh, my God, something, something must be so wrong. And something isn't like completely wrong. But it was interesting to hear his reaction be so... It's taken aback mm. by it all. Um, did that? You know, where, were you? Did you resent that reaction, or do you just see it objectively and just think, "Oh, you know, that would have been a surprise." Well, I did see. It, I did see it objectively, and it did. It, to be honest, immediately it kind of. I think it did. Um. Give me pause for thought at at least. But I was very quickly able to contextualize it, mm-hmm. and I mean that's part of that's been part of the process of maturing for me and growing up into an adult man has been recognizing the faults in my parents, recognizing that they did fuck up in some ways, and not resenting them for it, because I feel like part of parenting is you're going to fuck up your kids. Yeah, no matter what, and it's you. It's the, it's how you fuck up your kids the least 
that's yeah. a good parent. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's true to a degree. Or and if you can fuck up your kids, yet still in them instill the ability for them to cope with it. Right? Exactly. Like, for them to, them to have point. the tools at hand to, to be better than you or to overcome whatever they've, they've been saddled with. Uh, that's exactly right. And, I mean... I mean, that, I guess that's the essence of parenting as well. It's it's giving your kids a better life than than you had. I would, I mean, I mm-hmm. I don't think you can argue with that. No. And I think my parents did do that, so I I don't resent them for that. But I think there is also an element to it where there is I I think I do I think I there are issues that remain unresolved in myself in my personality, in my um, emotionality that have reared it, reared their head in some way in my adult life, which I don't like. And I now am attempting to fix those things. Yeah. Attempting to fix those things. I'm making an effort to, to fix them. Which is and to hear, And to hear like a kind of, um, oh, what's wrong with you kind of reaction does make, well, did uh, very quickly after hearing it made, make me feel like, well, I mean, it's your fault. <laughs> like, <laughs> I mean, don't, don't have that reaction when like, it's, you know, I'm, you know, trying to learn how to be emo- emotion, somewhat emotion, emotionally articulate because I was never given the framework or the emotional vocabulary to do so, or it was valued or the modeling of how to, yeah. The modeling to, to, to express yourself or because it was not, there was no value placed on that. The idea that it was like, Oh, it's kind of like, I mean, I'm trying to fix the problem. You're not even recognizing there is a problem. Do you think that's, that's because that's because a parent's reaction to that might be what are you saying about what I did? Like it's 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 a it feels like an accusation even if it's not. Even if it is. I, <laughs> like I it's mean, both. But that that's the thing. Like it's I, not I, a think, blame. I think I think it's totally right. I mean, it it would be natural to feel like, oh, you think that we screwed you up. Which I don't, I don't feel screwed up, but we're all kind of screwed up in our own way. I think, I mean, there's a generational thing here. And I think that that's a total, totally valid um, concern to have as a parent. That you, when they grew up, when people went to psychologists and therapists, it was for something really bad or they were going mad or something or they were depressed. Yeah. Yeah. And now it's ubiquitous and there is, you know, the momentum has shift, sh- shifted the other way to where it's like, well, everyone really should go to seek professional help or, you know, at least investigate it at some point. It's not going to do any harm. No, it's like going to the dentist. Like, it's exactly. a checkup, right? Um, it's interesting as well because even as all of that is true and there might be a generational thing, I think the important context is they are still more aware than their parents were. Like you, th- you go back two generations to the grandparents' era yeah. to the you know okay. the 
the early 1900s or, um, you know, through the wars and that kind of thing. Like yeah. that era of emotional <laughs> um, awareness, um, expression, it, it is uh, even more repressed than, than yeah. the parents that we're talking about, right? So in some ways, yeah. yes, they're doing the best that they can, but they've also come a long way from where their parents were. And our kids will look at us and be like, oh my God, geez, just fucking say what you think. You know, like <laughs> it's, um, it, it is so, a pro like a, a, a progression. I think for me, it it's just like this, what I'm looking for in my parents or what I, what I would, what would be ideal would be at least just like a willingness to explore new territory or explore you know this this idea that they that people might need to um i don't know talk about <laughs> what they're going through like just an open-mindedness would go a long way for me and also like to what you said before i get it like the generational thing but like people went through some really tough shit we have it better than any other generation before us so now we have the luxury to you know talk about our problems and and feel our feelings before that it was a lot it was survival it really so was I get yeah it. yeah you didn't ha- you don't have time you don't have time to think about how to be you are to be um even more blunt it's it's a a current day privilege of the rich and and the white and the exactly. and the you know well off it's it's there are still plenty of people this day and age who don't have the the mental time uh, the mental space or the time to um consider that either because it is so hand to fist still exactly and i mean it makes it makes perfect sense but i you do see i mean it's not just everyone it's not all boomers that that think you know that put value on just shoving your feelings down, mm-hmm. but and not to lay blame at my parents, which I wouldn't do. But so, I mean, what I'm looking for is some acknowledgement that there was an issue stemming from childhood and the way we were, were raised. Acknowledgement would go a long way. Mm-hmm. But what I feel is they they are they are completely unwilling to actually acknowledge that there is any issue and that any acknowledgement would be implicitly uh, blame. Mm. Is this uh, either on or off the pod an issue that you could verbalize as in what, what you feel like the thing that you want acknowledged or the, the misstep was, or did it, if you, if you don't want to talk about it, that's fine. No, no, I'm I'm fine talking about this. Um, but um, for me, it it's the the main issue that I I feel like has um manifested as an adult, and the reason why I, the prime reason why I went to seek, um, professional guidance, was that we were taught we were raised not to express our emotions. We were raised to, um. It, rather, it was valued, actively valued, that you suck it up and um, shove it down. Gotcha. I mean that that was that was actively valued in our house. Mm. 
And I, th- I do believe that a certain degree of that is admirable. This uh, stoicism, maybe you could call it. But I think it does leave... It does. You do leave yourself open to growing up into adults that can't articulate themselves emotionally. And that can cause problems, not just for you, but for the relationships that they build with other people. Yeah. And I have found that very much in my own life, which is, you know, the reason why I wanted to, you know, explore this avenue is it wasn't necessarily because I was feeling repressed, although I was repressed. It was because when you start to cohabitate with someone and you start to live with someone else, that person holds a mirror up to your, you know, for lack of a better word, defects. And you they start to become really apparent. And it starts to have an effect on them. And I think if you're a conscientious person, at least a little bit, you think you don't want to, you want to at least try and fix that issue. Yeah. Um, And I think this, the value placed on just sucking it up is overall a relic of the past and something that we didn't, continue forward or a needed value going forward and it's probably a holdover again from a survival kind of yeah circumstance where if you start you know being angry at the world or um depressed or what well, depressed is not in a clinical sense just like caught up in those kind of feelings then you actually are unlikely to survive because you're not focused on the immediate right. threats or pressures that you need to solve exactly um but as you say and and just just to add here as well coming from immigrant families as well that's another thing on top of that Uh, i mean my dad was second generation i think or first generation however that works his grandparents came the first generation literally came from like fucking his grandparents or his parents sorry his parents yeah yeah his first generation Uh, and my mum you know, my mum's dad came from Sri Lanka and her her mum from Wales. So they have gone through it and it is, uh, it's understandable. But yeah, like I said before, I mean, I would be interested to know how your relationship is with your parents in that regard, especially given how you went through a traumatic personal, I don't know if you want to call it enlightenment or a change or... You, know, you mean starting to go to the gym? I mean, getting swole. Like, how did you come out to your parents as a gym junkie? <laughs> I said, guys, there's something I need to tell you. I like. And they're like, here we go again. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> I like looking at myself in the mirror. We know you're gay. No, no, for, for other <laughs> other reasons. <laughs> oh, um, God. It's interesting because I I do agree with what you're saying, right? Where so much of it is generational. And and I I don't, I find it hard to, um, to really blame any of my parents. But I think a natural part of growing up, right, for everyone is 
probably in your teenage years or maybe early 20s when there's a little bit of separation there, a little bit of equality and, and you're an adult, I'm an adult, you start to realize, mm. oh, my parents are humans, just like yeah. every other human, just like how there are shitty humans in my class, just how there are shitty friends who, you know, stole my GameCube game, you know, you're a shitty... Stole your Pokemon card. My Pokemon cards, uh, which he never acknowledged is that right never heard never from never read it never, never even read it never even read it he knows um he knows what he did um you the, one of those first steps of adulthood is realizing oh they're just humans and yeah. that's that's its own like realization of <laughs> they were just making it up like they were doing their best and and they had their own shit that was guiding the way they were reacting yeah. to situations and um and where lucky that we are further ahead than they are in the world yeah. because the world is better now than it was then and you know all right. that kind of stuff and then i think the second level of realization which is again just like maybe another 10 years on which probably comes about from you being more experienced in the world or having met more people or being in relationships yourself or having kids yourself is the realization of oh i think i actually can now recognize what specific idiosyncrasies or quote unquote flaws or you know bad habits that they manifested or that they that they have right like in in an abstract mm. sense i think at the start you're just kind of like but mum said i could do this and then she said i could do that that's so not fair like that's like there's like a very sort of situational awareness and i think with time you just get a better picture of people right and you can start to mm. see oh i understand that you don't um you know you never had the opportunity to do this so you resent that or you know your you know your mum was withholding so um you know like i don't know whatever i'm just making shit up but you you, you see the sort of the patterns of behavior with time yeah. as well right where Again, that then helps you recognize in yourself where some of your idiosyncrasies and yeah. behavior patterns come from, right? Right. Um, like in, in a fairly innocuous example, like I like a clean house. I like a, an ordered house. I like mm -hmm. it tidy. I don't want to do half a job and, and finish, you know, and then leave it undone. I think that's definitely from mum's side because she oh, yeah. was always cleaning. She was always tidying. She wouldn't let yeah. us leave stuff on the table. If we left stuff on the table and said, I'll put that away once I've just, you know, finished watching this episode or finished my homework. Yeah. By the time you came back 15 minutes later, it had already been moved, even though you were going to yeah. do it. You know, like <laughs> that kind of thing is definitely something where I now am living in a house with someone else and KC is not that way inclined. And uh, yeah. to be fair, it was also true once you go flatting as well with other people. But you have that moment of like, wow, I think I'm yeah. quite anal about this stuff. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, I'm I'm the exact same way. It's like my mum was, if you, le you left a dish out, like sometimes you'd be cleaning and you'd leave a spoon out to go taste and then come back and it'd be gone. Yeah. By the time you turned around. Yeah. And then when you move into a place where your mum's not there and things aren't neat and tidy standard. all of the time and the person that you're living with doesn't value that as much you're just like hey what the hell like why is this spoon here going on with you <laughs> yeah. my mom would always clean up this spoon 
What's wrong yeah. with you? Yeah, and then part of you, like, and then I, I guess a, a, a conscientious or empathetic person or inward thinking person then looks at that and goes, okay, let me take a step back here. What is actually my objective thoughts on this standard? Do I need it to be always a clear table or does it not bother me? Could I meet somewhere in the middle or do I need to either A, proselytize this way of life and convert them to my standards or, you know, B, find someone who's a better fit with me so it it's like you're on the same page, right? Like right. some of those considerations then apply to yourself. Yes. Um, and yeah. So part of, so I've gone through three sessions with this um, guy who I picked, by the way, based on image alone. <laughs> I mean, you like... want a hot psych. You want to, you want a hot psych. You want to be able to look him in the eyes. Well, honestly, it's more fucked when up he's holding that. your I... feet and stroking <laughs> you because you're, you know, sobbing on the couch. You want, yeah. you want a hot guy. Well, I mean, we've done, we've never met in person. This has all been oh. over, over um, teleconference. Right. So that's one thing. That's, that's actually one reason why I put it off for so long. Because I thought that it wouldn't be real. Like, whenever yeah. I start a session with him, I'm like, let me just record this, mate. Uh, we'll make a podcast out of it at some point. Um, <laughs> Do you actually record it? No. Are you kidding? Because I, I, well, I, could, I, could, like, I could imagine a world in which, like, going back to here... Oh. An explanation of something again would be very valuable. Oh, I, t- I mean, I actually think that's a great idea. And maybe we could start a podcast together. <laughs> um, I wasn't suggesting that, but, you know, having a record of it seems sensible to me. It would be funny just to throw him a cur- complete curveball at the start of the session and just say, hey, mate, these uh, conversations have been great. Do you want to come on my podcast? Thought about monetizing it? <laughs> <laughs> If we get 300 downloads, we can get Manscaped on board. <laughs> I have a contact already. Because we almost got... We almost got there. Uh, we will one day. Um, have you seen that we've actually... We're we're, leaving, we're losing even more Facebook followers. I, I haven't looked. Don't look. Um, I've gone through three sessions with this guy. And the most useful thing that I've gotten out of it has been, I mean, they don't tell you what to do. He made that very clear. Because <laughs> I asked. <laughs> Just tell me what to do. Um, but the most useful thing is that they just break everything down that you're doing and reflect it back to you. And it's just, it's kind of like just dividing everything by two until it reaches the root cause mm-hmm. and or the square root maybe that's mm-hmm. a better way and then once you realize the thing what you once you realize the cause or even if it's just a suggested cause then you're like the realization is good enough to yeah. make you think about it differently right it's a very weird thing it's i mean it's you can understand why people are skeptical of it because it feels wishy-washy right but if it, do you feel like you're getting insight from him or do you feel like you're 
being guided to reaching insights you could make about yourself? Great question. I, it's become clear to me that the answers that I wanted going in, I already knew. And I was unable, I felt like I was unable to either admit them to myself or articulate them to myself or express them. And I think part of this is a narrative that I have built up in my head, <clears throat> which is that I, you know, I've i kind of displayed it to you, that I felt like I couldn't, I don't have an emotional, emotional vocabulary. I don't have, I don't know how to express myself. The thing that he said to me in my first session was, and I, and I told him exactly that, I, I feel like I'm emotionally inarticulate. I don't know how to express myself. At the end of our first session, he said, Michael, you said this at the start of our session. And to me, that's not apparent at all. You've talked for 50 minutes. You've expressed yourself very clearly. Is it possible that maybe you just needed an excuse or you needed a particular person to verbalize these thoughts that you have? Mm. So that was quite confronting in a way. Mm. Um and also amazing to hear it back. And since then it has it's kind of blossomed even further um to the point where you know, I I write I always write things down going in and I write things during the session and think about them later. And it has been even in three sessions immensely helpful even if it's just giving me the confidence of my own feelings and thoughts mm -hmm. and emotions, the confidence that I can, uh, I can express myself or I, I, I think, I think doubt I'm, a, I'm an expert in, um, in second, second guessing myself. Mm. And I think once you are a, once you have the tools to be able to express yourself in whatever capacity, it makes it easier to um. Yeah, it makes things a lot easier. Anyway, sorry, I have rambled no, a lot no. here. Thank you for talking about it. Uh, it's interesting that you say. Well, it's interesting what he said, really, because uh, for as long as we have been, or at least for the several years now in this podcast you have been incredibly self-reflective and I think it should have been apparent, not perhaps to you, but to me that the times that you were talking about your um, troubles, verbalizing your emotion, that the fact that you were saying that <laughs> kind of suggested yeah. at least you were some way of the way there. Right. right. Um, so it, it's yeah. funny to hear him say that and to go, yeah, I mean, if we just spent, 40 minutes talking about the ways that you had yeah. reacted to your father's comment and then the ways that mm -hmm. he um and what he'd done you know had made you feel then you're sort of yeah you're sort of doing the thing so it's interesting yeah. to hear him say like well maybe it's it's more like um confidence is not the right word but like a a, a freedom or a license to to go through that or go into that process is 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 what's yeah. most um, 
most welcome. Yeah, and I mean, look, the other thing was in that first session, he was like, so what do you, what do you like to do in your spare time? And I say, you know, I like to make music. I do a podcast. He's like, what's the podcast about? And I'm like, oh, we just talk about thoughts and feelings. <laughs> and, you know, topical things. He's just like, okay. <laughs> and I've just like completely come right out the gate with this. I don't know how to express myself. So it's obviously this this thing that I thought in my head and just have this idea of myself and maybe that's like maybe to some degree that's like a defense mechanism saying I can't express myself doesn't allow me like allows me to not express things that maybe will be negative or cause negative actions if you tell yourself that you can't then it means that you don't. But yeah, perhaps right. as you say, maybe it is more like an aversion to the. I mean, I don't know why I'm trying to be your psychologist right now, but it, I, it's just I think interesting. You're about it's like, to be on the money. It's like an aversion to to saying what's really hurting or, or causing the emotions because of the risks of what might happen afterwards. I think that's, that could be totally correct, and and also if something 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 negative comes up that you might need to deal with saying that you don't have the tools to be able to express yourself makes it so that you don't need to. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because that's, that's definitely something as well, where it's like, I, I can get very caught up sometimes in that like anxiety brain um, in, in like minor ways, I, I, I'm not really having panic attacks. I don't say, yeah. I, I, I shouldn't have said not really. I'm not having panic attacks or anything like that and haven't for a long time. Um, but there is still just a part of my brain, which is wired that way to be catastrophizing, to be worrying sure. about things. Um, for one example, I, I sent Grace actually from um, Good Grief. I sent her a happy birthday message um, on the weekend past. <laughs> Um, cause it was in my calendar and we talked about it and I'd put it in my calendar and, and then it came up and I was like, Hey, you know, you're smart and you're talented and it's great fun to work with you. Like happy birthday. And she responds, ha, 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 ha. it's not my birthday. And I was like, Oh, I really, I put it, I, we were talking about it. It was the eighth, right? It was the eighth That's and so put funny. it in the calendar. And I it's was like, funny if it's not her birthday, and it's funny if she's fucking with you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it was actually not her birthday. It's in November. It's in I messaged in <laughs> October, and it is November. So I was a month early. And I was like, I definitely, oh I checked with you. I checked with you. I put it on the calendar, and anyhow, I I fucked it up. And so then I I sent this message back. I was like, she said, oh well, you got in ahead. Like, um, you, you don't have to say it next month. And I was like, oh, I'll just take it back. You're not funny, and you're not talented. <laughs> Oh, and I good. sent it and I, it and I sent it, sent it away. And then I didn't hear anything back and I didn't hear anything back and I didn't hear anything back for an hour, for two hours. Then it became the afternoon. Then it became two o'clock, three o'clock, six o'clock. By this point, I was convinced that I had actively pissed her off, that it was um, a real problem. I was drafting notes as to like send a text to say, hey, oh, I'm sorry, what? I went, I went, like, I was just trying to be funny, and I went, 
a little bit far and I'm sorry if it didn't read the right oh. way, but you know that I think that you're actually funny and you're actually talented and, and it was just me, you know, being dumb and I'm sorry if I caused Hilarious. offense and I, I really look forward to, you know, our chats and, uh, and I'll be back there um, on Monday and, you know, like I hope we can put this behind us. And then it got, so I'm th- drafting this in my head and then you writing it in the notes. from Good Grief Season 2. <laughs> yeah. And then it's getting it's to like... It's been great to be on this journey with you, but we can't continue. <laughs> yeah. It gets to like 9.30 at night. And then I get a message from Grace. And it says, <laughs> just saw this, huh? And I was, <laughs> and that's what it was. And she just like, you know, sometimes you leave your phone on the bench and it's still unlocked and a message comes through. And For it six like... six hours though? Oh, it was more. It was like twelve that? hours. Oh, are we buying that? Nick? <laughs> we buy that? I don't need this, Michael. <laughs> and 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 no I was one, like, no one doesn't look at their phone for twelve hours. Well, not to check my message from like if it there's no notification on the message app, right? You just don't see sure. it. Sure, sure. That's what I tell myself. She hates you. I think yeah. she hates you. But like that's what I mean. Like that's that's where my brain can go. Um, the catastrophizing, the catastrophizing yeah, side of it. And for as much as I'm aware of it, there's definitely ways in which that manifests, not just in like innocuous ways where it's like, oh, that was dumb. And, but yeah. also in like, well, in relationships, like inactive, yeah. like larger stake things where your fears about the future or your fears about an interaction or a, or a text just like flicked off to your partner can have like different burdens associated with it than for other people. Um, I don't remember how I got into this train of thought. I'm sorry, but um, I'm sure it was related to something. (laughs) Yeah. The the catastrophizing thing is interesting because I have met a few people like that. um, And yeah, you're one of them obviously, but yeah, I've never had that thing, but I do worry. I do worry about, the future and it's not a catastrophization of things, but it's like, it's usually like self uh, directed. Like I'm, I'm not being good enough. I'm shit. I'm like, I'm going to ruin this. Maybe it's not, I'm going to ruin this, but like, it's more like self critical than it is like, Oh, this is going to go bad. It's like, I'm going to fuck it up. Gotcha. Yeah. Hmm. Well, yeah, thank you for stuff. your um for your openness and for talking um, about you know which is something that's quite a personal area and that perhaps some people would would not have expected to hear from you or um, yeah. Uh, well, it was considered it was for nice. themselves perhaps. Yeah, it was nice. It's, it was nice to be able to talk about it with you, and I hope my Jonathan, my psychologist. Uh-huh. I hope you're listening. Did you shout out to Jonathan? I hope that you just told him you just spelled out the RSS feed. It's https colon podbean dot com and just gave him gave him a, a way to a way to listen. I plugged I plugged it. Yeah. Dot XML. Yeah. If you've enjoyed this podcast, then I am delighted. I hope it was beneficial. You are smart, you are beautiful, and you are welcome. There are plenty more episodes. Michael is moonwalking into the room. There are plenty more episodes in the podcast feed and they're all just as intelligent and just as moving. So dive in and enjoy yourself. You can also find us on Facebook, 
there are fewer followers than ever, which means more one-on-one time with us. There's also the Twitter feed. If you want a notification of when it goes live, you can find us on SoundCloud. You can flick us an email to deepthought.gmail.com and tell us your thoughts and feelings. This is a safe space and we welcome them. Uh, Okay. I feel like I just went through another fucking therapy session. That'll be $280, Um, please. Yeah, it's expensive, hey? Um, How are we rounding this bad boy out? I've got one question I want to ask you. Yeah. Because we're already talking a lot about you. Uh, But then after that, I'm so on board for Celeb Net Worth. Mm -hmm. Okay. I just want to know how your run went. You were working through September towards running 100Ks. I just wanted to check in and say, hey, it's been three weeks and I remembered. Um, thanks for remembering. Uh, obviously didn't see my Instagram story. I'm actually just prompting. I did. I'm just, I'm prompting you for the podcast. Oh yeah. It's like, I did. Um, it's, it's, I'm just very good at hosting. All right. Uh, well, yeah, I'm, I did the hundred K's got in there with like a couple of days to, to spare and pleasingly, Here's the other thing. I don't, it was actually almost this time last year that I bought those smart scales, if you remember. I do. And I got a shock when I read 85 kilos. Because that was high then. Or it was you, high. Yeah. That was extremely high. And I had been throughout lockdown not eating as well as I should have. Yeah. Not exercising as much as I should have. Yeah. Anyway, the other day. And I've been running a lot lately, been eating quite well, been cutting back on the booze tonight, excluded. Yeah. But yesterday weighed in at under 80 kilos. Oh, shit. Which is Slender big. man over here. I'm slender. I'm the slender man. Um, most of that has come in the last month. Because you ran <laughs> 100 <gonna> Ks. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it was like a combination of things. Like it was the not drinking yeah. as much, um, exercising more, eating better. But yeah, lost you five kilos in stout. almost. Thanks. Um, I think I lost five kilos in about a month and a half, which I think is too fast. But well, I don't know. On beauty, if you were like fasting and you're eating three peas a day, and you drop well, that's five the thing. kilos, I am also doing intermittent fasting. Okay, well then maybe that is slightly too fast. But I but, think the fact that you were running like five k's a day for an yeah. entire month, I think yeah. that's that's a perfectly reasonable way to lose weight. Like at least that's associated with exercise and with sure. burning fat, not just like complete starvation or tapeworm. <laughs> like that seems like yeah, well, if I, you're going to leave, lose it in that amount of time, do it by running a hundred k's. Well. I mean, look, the intermittent fasting was something that I had started around late August, but I have found, look, so I never get hungry in the morning, like ever. And if, even if I do, I'll have like, lately I'll have like a, a, like a mandarin or a bit of grapefruit or something, something light. And I've taken the emphasis off like the protein. When I was at at the gym, I was like, I got to get like all this protein in. Taking the emphasis completely off. I'm trying to hit like, you know, a normal amount of protein, but not like excessive amounts before. Have a little bit of Mandarin in the morning. Go for a run on a fa- in a fasted state. I'm buzzing, dude. I'm buzzing after that. 
I don't need to eat for another hour after I come back from that, right? By that time, it's 1 p.m. Mm. Have a lovely salad, maybe a little fry rye, maybe a little chicana. Okay, chicken. I don't think you're saying these words um, right. I'm trying to give a little, little um, spin, little a bit of fun spin culture. on it. Yeah, uh, but then <clears throat> you only need to eat twice a day. Okay, all you fatties out there, you only need to eat twice a day. Wow. You don't need breakfast. There's a, it's an old wives' tale that you need. Bre- breakfast is the important, most important meal of the day. No, it isn't. You know what the most important meal of the day is? Uh, education. There's, there's no most imp- There's no <laughs> education. <laughs> education. Science. Um, um, but yeah. You are sub Lost a lot of weight. I am, well, I'm actually not at the moment. Sure, yeah. but conceptually. I am 88 I kilos. I'm 8 kilos heavier than you. You are fucking obese. Yeah, honestly. my scales now says that I am. It's interesting that we're going in different... <laughs> like, what? so what's your goal? Uh, My goal in terms of my diet? Or in terms of, like, no. overall, like, fitness? So why have you gained Cause I've 72 been working pounds? Out. So I'm eating more... And I'm eating with a, a caloric excess to support. So your goal is to your growth. goal is to get hench. When you went to your trainer, you, he said, "What do you want to get out of this?" You said, "Get hench." It, it wasn't at that point, but it has become that. It was because at the time, the reason that I started going to the gym was off the back of the physio stuff because I was having knee issues, and so right. I suppose even then it was yes, I want to gain muscle because. The concern from the physio was there wasn't enough strength in my legs, which is what was causing the knee pain stuff. So it was actively, right. actually. Um, I need to gain some strength and some muscle. That uh-huh. is not something you just only do on your legs, though. So it is, you know, the, yeah. the trainer's done a full body plan. Yeah. And with that is just a diet of of eating more. And I was famously skinny as a kid, like like notoriously scrawny. lanky. Scrawny, scrawny would have been generous. I was I was lanky. And like, there would be days where I just like, wouldn't eat anything till dinner where I would sleep in and skip breakfast. I, I just didn't, I just didn't eat much. And some of that right. was, was not feeling like wanting food in the morning, which I think is hereditary because dad barely eats anything in the morning. Um, right. but part of that was just, I don't know, not, not feeling it, not wanting it, yeah. not knowing how to, um, and so possibly do you have even more of an appetite now. Well, that's the thing. Have you de- like, have you de- can you develop an appetite? I think so. So I'm I'm eating over three thousand calories a day. So Whoa, that's that's holy that's, shit. that's quite high. Um, and yeah. I'm you know 165 grams of protein a day, something like up that that range. So like properly up there. Um, Jesus. But I'm also like when I go to the gym, I burn like five and a half thousand kilojoules or you know whatever like. So it is in the context of if you're working hard and you are burning all of that out, then you need to at least put that much in plus a little bit more so that you can right. gain something, right? So it's, yep. it's, it's, you wouldn't eat 3,000 calories if you were not doing any exercise, right? No. Um, that's so it's, it's in that context. But yeah, I mean, so th- I'm on 1,900 just for context yeah. in, as a cal- caloric deficit. Yeah, trying to decrease, yeah. So if I get I, if I I'm trying to hit 1900 or under, yeah, to lose weight, which has worked, yeah, yeah, but for me, like, as someone who's always historically been underweight, um, it, it took a while 
at that level to build up. And, and we didn't start there. Like I, I have increased over time up to those levels, but at yeah. the start, just learning to eat more was a very unnatural no. thing, right? Like just, yeah. just having slightly bigger portions or, mm. you know, eating foods that were denser or that had a little bit of good fat in it, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff. I, I just, I wasn't eating enough volume <laughs> to, to oh, get yeah. there. Um, but, but yeah, you so as eating res- enough to keep going at your current physique at that time, but now you're well, that's actively like, changing your physique. Yeah, exactly. And I wasn't exercising at the levels that I am today. So I didn't right. need that much uh-huh. more food, you know, like I wasn't burning it out and getting hungry. Whereas mm. now it's, like I said, if you, if you're burning 5,500 kilojoules or whatever, you'll be hungry afterwards. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. Wow. Well, you're looking good. It's it's interesting to try and reconcile the image you have of someone as they, because most people don't change their physiology, like, or they don't. It doesn't happen in like real time. That's discernible. It's kind of like watching, I don't know, the sun move. Yeah. Usually, you know, as some people get older, they're like, oh, that person's gotten fatter and fatter and fatter. Yeah. Or you know, the other way. Although yeah. it usually it doesn't go that way. But like trying to reconcile. Okay, I know Nick as quite, yeah, let's say scrawny because that's what it was. Yeah. And then looking at you now, I still have that image in my head of you when I first met you and that's the Nick that I know. Yeah. But then now you are visibly different, but it, it kind of jars with the image in my brain that I have of you. So I'm not actually, I'm seeing you as bulkier and you look good and you sent me a photo of you topless and I, you know, I joked <laughs> off to it. But... <laughs> You look it like you look different, but my brain is still not registering it. Like I said before, yeah. Well, I it's, will, it's on a I will not well. dream of you like this. I will dream of you like that. And you'll dream of me in your old house, <laughs> in my old house, um, just the way I like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's the other weird. So you know, as as I've given up, well, not given up as the knee stuff and the running has persisted and I haven't really been able to fix this issue. And, but I've fallen into this gym routine, which I've actually grown to like quite a lot and, and, mm. and found enjoyment in that. Um, it's um, one of the other sort of motivating factors is legitimately I've been away from Australia for coming up on two years now. Well, like from Adelaide, from a lot of people at least um, like two years. Yeah. So yeah. I saw I saw you in April, but I'm in terms of a lot of people in Australia. I haven't been back to Adelaide since Christmas 2019. Oh, um, so yeah, like yeah, oh. I know. I haven't yeah I haven't been to Adelaide for for yeah 20 months now, um, which is unlikely to change this Christmas either. So by the time I get back there, it will probably be two years, three or four months. And I, I, part of me just is like, this is an opportunity. This is an, uh, this is an opportunity it. to be like, okay, what is, I love it. what is like sincerely going to be fun? Let's see how jacked I can get and go home and see if it's noticeable to people. I love it. It's definitely going to be noticeable because it's notable, noticeable to me. And I see you once every two weeks. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, that'll be, that'll be super interesting. Like seeing... Like the people that you maybe text with, are you? Do you Skype your family? I Skype my reg? family. Yeah. How often? Every week. 
What? That's needy. <laughs> On which end? <laughs> in all directions. Whoever, whoever's starting the What call. I really resent is my lack of emotional availability. Oh, you, t- you text your family every week? Ugh. Gross. I still got some work to do, buddy. I still, I still got, some work still got places to go.